0: This is Box to Box with Rob Gilbert and Michael Edgley. Oh, what a goal! For Chemist Warehouse. Home of real brands and real savings. And
1: Storage King.
0: They're just around the corner. Absolutely fantastic!
1: Hello and welcome to Box to Box, the show that is everything football on Macquarie Radio NTS News Talk Sport. You're with Robert Gilbert and Michael Edgley. First edition news in a minute with Mark Van Aken. But it's grand final weekend on Box to Box and tonight, of course, the ultimate big blue is the main focus of the show in the biggest weekend for the A-League and the domestic game of the year. We'll get started with a good mate of ours, Sydney FC legend Terry McFlynn, real soon. He's going to let us know behind the scenes information that no one else has got access to and set the scene for the Premiers ahead of their two at winning the Grand Final in what has been a record-breaking season then head of the A-League. Greg O'Rourke will shed some light on the critical issue that everyone is talking about, and that of course is the state of the Allianz Stadium playing surface. We're going to ask Terry about it as well, but we want to hear straight from the top office their opinions as well as a number of other issues. We're going to quiz Greg on a few pertinent points in the weekly discussion that is football in this country. And to wrap up the opening hour of the show, our man Dean Hennessy will dissect the big game in detail as we decide whether the Sky Blues will claim the title that seems to be their destiny or whether their arch-rivals Melbourne victory can crash the party and steal the title from under their feet in what we're all hoping will be an epic decider. In the second hour, as always, we'll kick off with second edition news, but as we've done over the past few weeks, this grand final week, Fox Sports, Simon Hill will be our special guest to give us his take on the big one, but we also want his view on the video assistant referee and whether it's been a success in its early implementation. After Simon, we're going to jump back into the expansion discussion with Canberra Times journo Eamon Tiernan, who wrote a piece recently on the local bid which is government support, it appears. We'll ask him. Then Dino returns to go through all the international news and stoppage time to wrap it up, Edge. Grand final time, mate. How high is the passion meter set for you?
2: That's pretty high, because I know the Melbourne Victory people, and I was, uh, yesterday, uh, I was down at training to have a bit of a squeaky look, uh, on a squeaky beautiful... Squeaky look? Yeah, a What's bit a of a... squeaky look? Well, I was uh, walking, doing laps at the time. Um, but, <laughs> well, that's uh, your knees were squeaking, yeah, wasn't it? Yeah, the knees were squeaking, the ankles are squeaking, they are all squeaking. <laughs> but uh, interestingly enough, it was a beautiful autumn day, and the pitch that they were practicing on was perfect, mm-hmm. unlike Sydney FC's pitch. But um, interesting to note uh, that the, all the talk, all the talk is, can Melbourne... Can Melbourne roll Sydney in the big game? Like other codes where teams dominate, they're sort of right for the picking. And people Mm. are sort of forgetting that these games have been very, very close. And Kevin Musket's been, uh, Mm. in all these interviews, pushing that line all week.
1: I think everybody knows how close they've been, mate. They've they've just got over the line in each of those games this year. So that's what I think sets up a brilliant game.
2: Yeah, but what about let's I mean let's talk about the A-League Grand Final all night tonight in the show there's lots of opportunities to do that but what about <laughs> what about the big boys Real Madrid and Juventus put the foot down. Thank you very much. <laughs> We're just taking control of the situation. <laughs> situation normal. Yeah. Yeah, agreed.
1: And situation normal when Mark van Aken is sitting there with a whole pile of news. Was it squeaky, sneaky? Not sneaky. I, I think, think his is the chair chair he's squeaky. For.
3: Yes. All that's the chairs in here sure. are squeaky. But anyway, yeah, that's yeah. fine. How? Hey, um, speaking of that news there, Josh Brilliante has laughed off claims the Sydney FC was scared by Melbourne Victory's 1-0 semi-final win. Over the Brisbane Roar last Sunday, picture defender Daniel Georgeski made the claims following the game, suggesting their comfortable win would strike fear into Sydney. Uh, pointing to that record, of course, where they've knocked them off three times. When a 1-0
2: win comfortable?
3: <laughs> oh, yeah, Exactly right. Hey, but uh, brill- Brilliante uh, laughed off the fears this week. It's quite funny now that we've beaten them three times this year. If he wants to think that, he can think that we're just going to the week a little uh, like
1: a normal week. And we just let our football do the talking. Now, mate, you're a man of strong opinions. So those who listen to this show will well and truly be aware of that. We're going to get stuck into the game. But um, the surface, mate, um, give us your uh, brief take on that. <laughs> I
3: um, I know we're going to talk to Terry after the break and probably Greg uh, O'Rourke as well. But I just, for the life of me, and I'm a stadium junkie, um, yeah, it's not good enough to state the bleeding. obvious and In all seriousness, I would impugn the abilities of the staff there at the SCG Trust and the SFS because, mate, Amy Park has a rugby league team, has a rugby union team, and two Mm -hmm. football teams. And it, for the most part, over its what's eight or nine years it's been around now, mm. has dished up great pitches. And we go age is what...
1: no excuse because you look at the MCG; that is the best surface in this hey, country. Like, I, I um, question:
3: do they have, like, for example, Etihad
1: in the MCG? Etihad
3: was a cow paddock mm, for its first few years. Mm, but they bring the lights in, sort of the, mm, from the European, sort of UK style, mm, and it allows the grass to grow. Yeah, I would honestly can only assume they don't have that technology up there. Which yeah. is poor. But
1: I want to ask um, Greg O'Rourke when he comes on, just, ha- I mean, the, the FFA haven't got a great track record in terms of booking stadiums for the decider. And uh, uh, if, um, you know, admittedly, you know, fixtures are set well in advance, but, um, but we have to give serious consideration to, to the, the biggest two clubs in the nation and, and the, the dates that are around the, the showcase event. So we know when the grand final weekend is going to be. How come in advance we can't isolate the weekend at the very least? And uh, and somehow, well, I know you're putting your fingers together and saying money, but um, but if you get in well ahead of time, then, then you can... We don't know where it's going to be, do you?
2: Because they, off, they, they allow you, you, the... You would
1: have to book. The, yeah, sorry, go ahead. Yeah, they
2: allow the team that finishes on top and qualifies on top to host the grand final, yeah,
1: yeah I know that, but but there's but not there's not every circumstance um is going to come into play with all the stadiums in, that that you know the various clubs play at i mean you've you've got to look at the stadiums that that are the, that that suffer the most from heavy traffic and and Suncorp does cop it, but it's not as bad as, as well, it's at its moment sta- but it's nowhere near as bad as remember as the uh, Asian Cup final we played against
2: mm. uh, china it was a cow paddock. it was horrible. But it's It's funny
1: because that
3: was, we'll get to some other news eventually, Mm. but um, that for the first four or five seasons was rated by the PFA as the best surface in the league, the Suncorp Mm. Stadium. And I firmly believe that the big floods came in, what, six, seven years ago now. It's never been the same since. That said, again, clearly there's some fundamental problem there. Get to the root cause Mm. and fix it, for Mm. God's sake. Mm. Um, And the SFS again. And the only thing is, Rob, I mean, to book that whole venue then out for the whole weekend, Mm. not even knowing if you're going to play there. FFA don't have the money to do it. And I mm. think they've actually been on record saying that. the same saying it costs X amount to sort of block it out Friday, Saturday, Sunday. And, you know, there's a lot of talk. Again, Greg will probably talk about it. The Waratahs, I mean, good on the New South Wales Rugby Union for at least looking at moving mm. the game to North Sydney Oval because it's, they're under absolutely it's no obligation. Mm. No, it's not. Anyway. More news. Uh, Tim Cahill has uh, basically said what I've been saying for a long time, that our move into Asia has maybe left some of our youngsters not quite as hungry as they might have been back in his day, in commas.
1: You have to look at where the players are playing right now. You know, at a time when I was playing, we were all in Europe. We were playing the biggest leagues in the world. Right now, um, a lot of our players are not playing in the, the highest level. You know, we don't, we, I don't think we, we have many Premier League players. Yeah, I'm really concerned because... You have when we went to the Asian group, it was amazing because everyone thought, Oh, we'll qualify for Asia. So when we were growing up, me, Bresciano, Vinigarella, Baduca, we had no choice but to go to England when we were sixteen and fight hard to play in second division, first division, or go straight to those teams. Now players don't have to go and fight, they can go straight to Dubai, China, um, and
4: pay their mortgages off much earlier. When I went to China I was thirty five years old. My Mm. career was over.
2: Well, he can say it and everyone else thinks it, but he's spot on. It's the truth. The national team is being impacted by the players that are playing in substandard Chinese competition and some of them going there on big money and not playing. But furthermore, what he didn't
3: touch on there um, was the A-League as well because the reality is that generation he's talking about, the reason he had to get over to England when he was 15 or 16 um, was because there was no real pathway through the through the NSL, you could make you know a little bit of cash here and there with some bags of money, but basically, um, outside of one or two teams that went pro for short periods of time, and funny he talked about Bresciano and Gralla because he's actually wrong. They didn't head over when they were really young. They did because you did have a professional Carlton environment. They did stick around for a few years before they made those brave moves over to Italy, which yeah, they weren't as young as him or
2: Harry. Yeah, but they were still. Uh, and even Dukes was here again. Yeah, quite 19, relatively late.
3: Yeah. yeah, But anyway, the point is, I don't know what the solution is because the solution is clearly not going back to Oceania. Um, but gee whiz, we've got to find a way to make these play, these players hungrier to get over to the big leagues of Europe because right now, it's
1: not there, and in some ways you can't blame them. Well, some might argue that it's not um, that, that bad an idea to go back to Oceania, which we're not going to do, clearly. No, no, no the point that I'm cockle. making, I think we know, is that, uh, is that they're guaranteed a spot in the expanded World Cup after, after Qatar. So that, that's the only argument that's just that. I mean, we know it's not going to happen, but, uh, but there is an argument, because New Zealand are going to play in the World Cup every year. Well, not necessarily, because again, the Fiji, strong team. Uh, Solomon
3: Islands, don't forget the last time we qualified through Oceania, it was against Solomon Islands. New Zealand didn't make the final. So, mm. um, And yeah, but certainly at least one of those two or three teams is going to be there every time. One more sad one before we go. Roma club icon Francesco Toddy mm-hmm. will retire at the end of the season when the 40-year-old's contract expires, new sports director Monchi said on Wednesday. What can you say about this, Blake?
2: How many times has he announced his retirement? and then been talked out of it quite a few <laughs> Well, I think this time the club's announced it, haven't they? It mm. might have been the other way around.
1: It might be sad that he's retiring, but the saddest moment of Francesco Toddy's career was yes, in 2006, and we all know that when he stepped up to the penalty he spot did. He did. and kicked us out of the Absolutely. World Cup. So Interestingly
2: what? enough, I did watch a little bit on the weekend of Roma and uh, Lazio, the, the Roma derby, and yeah. i tell you what, the
1: fans were incredible. The noise they were making, amazing. Yeah, they always are brilliant. Thank you, Marco. Uh, stick around, ladies and gentlemen, because after the break, Terry McFlynn, for an extended chat, we're going to look in to the grand final from the inner sanctum of Sydney FC. That's all next on Box to Box. Box to Box. Can you believe it? The Warehouse.
0: Home of real brands and real savings. And storage games. They're just around the corner. And this could be the most crucial
1: goal of all. Yes, this is a Box to Box on NTS News Talk Sport. Just two days out from the grand final that so many people in local football would say it's Sydney FC's to lose. But we're sure that inside the camp, that is not the view of the Inner Sanctum to find out just what is going on behind the scenes. It's the warmest of welcomes to our mate, Terry McFlynn. Good to have you on the show tonight, Terry.
5: Hey, boys, how are you?
1: Outstanding, mate. But uh, I think it's fair to say that while we think it's yours to lose, uh, that might not necessarily be the view of uh, yourself, Arnie, etc.
5: Oh, look, we we had a lot of goals at the start of the season. And, uh, you know, as we spoke about uh, previously on your show, a couple of weeks back, um, we ticked a lot of them off uh, along the way, and um, there's one game left in the season to go, and that will determine where we finish up in terms of, of how good our goal settings are.
1: And hey, mate, um, what's what's the re- the refrain from Arnie? Um, what's what's the inside uh, gossip of what he's saying to the players about how to how to approach this Sunday with all the expectation on their back, mate?
5: Oh look, for us, there's no uh, there's no added pressure, there's no added expectation. It's uh, for us, it's another game. Um, the boss is t- talking about round 29 last week against Perth, was round 28. We've played Melbourne um, three times in the league and won all three games this year. They haven't signed any new players since we last played them. Um, we haven't signed any new players either. So it's, it's two teams that know each other very well. Um, the great thing for us is um, we're at home in front of our supporters. It's been a long time since we had a grand final in Sydney. So um, look at the game that everyone in Sydney is relishing. Everyone within the clubs really looking forward to it. It's a game that we expect to win.
2: Terry, last time we had you on this programme and you've... Uh been able to join us a few times, which we've loved. You gave us absolutely nothing. It was a straight (laughs) back. And I sense it it might be the same again, but I wanted to... No,
1: he's already started well. I can sense Terry's up and about. No, 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 he's 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 up and about. (laughs) about.
2: Terry, it's uh, it's a good opportunity to end the season on a high and absolute uh, pure domination. But everybody in Melbourne's talking about, uh, you know, the things that happen in football or the things that happen in other sports is that teams can have dominant seasons and just fall at the last hurdle. It must be in the back of your mind that little that little inkling that uh, that the pressure is there to still to achieve.
5: No, not at all. Um, there's, no, <laughs> there's no pressure on our boys at all. Uh, Look, I think I agree with you that there has been teams in the past that have, have dominated in other codes, um, but I don't think we've ever seen a team um, as dominant uh, as our team this season um, to win the the premiers plate. Um, by 17 points to pick up a record 66 points from a possible 81 along the way is an incredible achievement and I think the standard that this team has now set um, has become a benchmark for, for the A-League and it's up to the rest of the competition to, to try and to catch it
4: Terry based on what you just said there which I echo um, consistency as we all know getting the, the right side on the pitch week in week out uh, I've just done yeah. the stats off the Opta report I've just been through it all there to preview this particular game Incredible that both teams are quite consistent in the number of games they've played. Like, you've got 10 starters that have played between 28 and 23 games, and Victory have got mm-hmm. eight players between 27 and 23 games. So, that's you know, that's like basically your starting lineup nearly every week. So, yeah. that must be a big, big factor in, in why the season's gone so well.
5: It's a matter of fact, and you know yourself, you know as a coach, consistency is the key to success. But for me, it's not. The starting players, as you mentioned, they're playing between 28 and 23 um, across the board. For me, it's the boys on the bench and the boys of the squad that's driving the intensity, that's driving the standards uh, for the 11 players um, that's on the pitch and the starting 11 to keep their position. To maintain their starting position, they know they have to be at their absolute best day in, day out in training uh, because the quality we've got on the bench and the quality we've got in the whole squad um, is there to be seen.
4: So you're alerted uh, to people uh, like Carney, Abini, Simon and, and the ilk of that, yeah?
5: 100%, mate. David Carney, Bernie Abini, Maddie Simon, Milos Dimitrovic, Andrew Redman. These are starting players in other clubs. Mm. And that's, that, for me, has been the key that's driven us, the intensity in training. and like I watch the training sessions probably three to four sessions a week. And without being disrespectful to some of the teams that we've played this year, the intensity in some of our training sessions has been more than what the challenge has been put to us in some of the games that
1: we've played this year. And this is Box to Box on NTS News Talk Sport. We're talking to legend of Sydney FC Terry McFlynn ahead of the Big Blue this Sunday afternoon at Allianz Stadium against Melbourne Victory. Now, Terry, we're going to get back to the game in a moment, but uh, you know one of the stories that none of us really want to be talking about ahead of the grand final is the state of the pitch. Uh, now, I've heard uh, Mark Rudin say this afternoon that he thinks that uh, that Victory are using it as an excuse ahead of the game. Um, look, we, we can't put our heads in the sand. It's not up to standard. Uh, there's a game of uh, super rugby on the night before. We've seen what rugby players, and they're worse than rugby league. They dig the pitches up. The scrums are serious mm-hmm. scrums. They can do some real damage. What do you know um, around uh, the, the, the caretaker uh, expectations? I know that's not your job, but clearly the club would want to be aware of exactly what the Sydney uh, Cricket Ground Trust is is doing to make sure that the playing surface is presented in the best possible way?
5: Yeah, look, I know um, the grindsman at Allianz Stadium very well through my playing days, mm. uh, but now in the back office. Um, Mick Finch is a great man, and he works 24-7 around the clock to get the pitch in a condition that he can, the best condition possible. possible. Um, as you just said there, there's a rugby union game on Friday night. Uh, last week there was a Rugby League game on a Tuesday on Anzac Day where we saw the Roosters playing St. George and then on Friday night, it was Manly against the Rabbitohs and Mm -hmm. then we played Perth Glory on the Saturday. So, um, What what people don't know is when the Rugby League play um, on these stadiums, they play their under-20s games beforehand as well. So before we played Perth Glory last Saturday night at Allianz, there had already been four games of Rugby League on on that week. Mm -hmm. So for the pitch to be... Delivered in the in the condition it was, was actually a lot of hard work and a lot of effort from Mick and his team at, at Allianz Stadium. Um, the reality is, it's a multi-purpose stadium. Um, there's three teams that are tenants of Allianz Precinct. Um, Manly and Rabbitohs played there last week. Um, I don't know why. I Don't no. know why that reason. Why that reason was, but the traffic that goes through Allianz Stadium, um, it's impossible to deliver a surface conducive to only football. Um, and if it was our only football stadium, then it would be a completely different talking point in the minute. But the reality is we have to realise that it's a multi-purpose stadium. We certainly are not making any mm. noises around the pitch at all because we understand what it is. We understand why it is the way it is. If Melbourne want to talk about that, then that's entirely up to them and their camp. I don't talk about any other team. Um, but certainly, certainly for us, we know, um, the effort that goes into preparing the pitch. Um, is it ideal to have a a rugby game on the night before the grand final? Of course it's not. Um, but that's something that the FFA, the ARU, the NRL, the Sports Commission maybe have to have a look at. Um, I think, you know, I think the, the numbers that was released last week in terms of participation at football level, we blew away every other code in this country. Um, the challenge now for us is turning that participation into supporters, into players, into sponsors of 80 clubs to expand the league beyond that. And I would ideally love to one day see football stadiums that Sydney FC own a stadium, mm. Melbourne City own a stadium, yeah. Adelaide United own their own stadium, Brisbane Roar own their own stadium, and we wouldn't be having this conversation.
2: Yeah, yeah. Terry, just to follow up on the pitch, um, it, it's we understand obviously there's a bit of heat around the issue this week because. Um, of all the mind games before the final and so forth. But at the end of the day, it's a, it's a pitch that uh, both teams will play on. It'll be the same for both teams. But uh, just take all that away for one moment. Going forward, I mean, the pitch has come under constant criticism. I mean, even the national coach, Ange Postacoglu, was uh, was quite negative about it at times this year before international fixtures. It definitely needs to be looked at, doesn't it? Moving, moving forward uh, into the future, there's always going to be uh, that sort of level of traffic on it. But the way the pitch is... Um, his, uh, his resource needs to needs to be, needs to be looked at, doesn't
5: it? It does. Look, and it's not it's not just Allianz. Hmm. You know, you look at look at Suncorp Stadium. A few weeks back, hmm. they had the they had the Rugby 10s competition on there. Obviously, Brisbane Broncos the NRL season's up and running now. They're back up there. Queensland Reds in the Super 15s, fin- Brisbane Roar. Um, and again, with it being a multi multi-purpose venue, they had a Dale concert there. They had all sorts of different. Um, entertainment packages put through the, the the gates of these stadiums. So look until there is football specific stadiums we will always have this challenge.
4: Yeah. I'm just looking again through my report tell and obviously it's been well documented the uh, you know the amount of goals scored and the goal difference, most probably the goals against record, most probably will never ever be beaten again. What's really qu- quite significant when you look at it is I think the big moments are going to be the decider on on the weekend, and I base that purely on that if you look at if victory sc- if they go ahead, um, they go ahead and they've won 13, drawn one and lost three. Uh, when you go yeah. ahead. You've won 18, drawn two. You never got beat. So the first goal was going to be really vital. And then you could also flip it the other way that when Victory do concede, uh, they lose five out of the nine. When -hmm. you when you concede, uh, it's the only defeat you had, which was the one against uh, Western Sydney Wanderers. The really really key point though, which and I think this may have a lot to do with your conditioning, the way you did it in pre-season that I was, you know, uh, lucky enough to be involved in and, and saw firsthand. You score an unbelievable amount of goals late in games. Nearly 45% of all your goals come in the last half an hour. Do you think that is a significant thing, especially with a final that might be tight?
5: Yeah, look, I think it certainly will be a major factor. It's not a secret, and uh, the boss has, has spoken openly about Andrew Clark's the best in the business. There's no hiding or getting away from that. The fact that we've had 22 players fit and available for the boss to pick from every week um, is, a, is an achievement in itself. The way that Andrew conditions the players, Elias, the head physio, Abraham, another physio, Judith and Masseuse, Dr. James Lawrence, the medical team that we've got, the way they work and keep the players on the park is unbelievable, to be honest. Um, the conditioning side of it, Andrew has driven that from day one. As you said, Dana, you were um, with us for part of the preseason and you saw the hard work and the effort that was going in, but that's continued through the season and at times this group of players is special. Like I said before, watching the training sessions and the intensity, it's driven by them. And it's driven by Alex Brosk, it's driven by Maddie Simon, it's driven by Josh Berlanti, Brandon O'Neill. They drive the, the intensity of the session. They drive the execution of the passing drills, of the possession drills, of they're actually hungry for football. When when you see that and there's no coincidence why we score so many late goals, because they're hungry to win the game, they're hungry for the next pass, they're hungry for the next shot on goal, and the way we press, they just want the ball back. So they press all over the park, and that starts from Bobo, it starts from Alex Bros, from Minkovic, the work rate these boys get through, we just wear teams down. And ultimately, the fitness levels come through in the last last 30 minutes, and again, I, I keep going back to the bench. So when the game stretches in the last 30 minutes, it starts to open up and it gets a bit, little bit open. You can bring on a David Carney, who's an international footballer. You can bring on Bernie Abini. You can bring on Milos Dimitrievich, you can bring on Maddie Simon at any time. So you're bringing on quality off the bench
6: yeah, when are.
5: when defenders are getting tired, when the game's getting straight, so it's relentless. You know, the pressure that's everyone does their job, they do what they have to do, and then the next one comes in and he does what he needs to do. And it's look, I used to sit in the in the box and watch the, the game and, and watch how it develops now I just sit and enjoy. It. I sit and watch. <laughs> now, honestly, I sit and watch the game as a supporter, and I just think, okay, we're gonna score now. In the next uh-huh. five minutes, we'll score, and then we'll score again, and mm. we'll score again. And and that's not being arrogant. That's not being um, getting ahead of where we are. But this group of people, what they've achieved, the record is there. Yeah, no, I'm is. Not, I'm not fudging anything. I'm not. This group of people, when you see the hunger and desire in their eyes between tweening. Mm. and then you put that in a match. There's no, there's no coincidence why we've gone through the, the whole season undefeated. Absolutely, yeah. And I say that meaningful. I don't mean I know we lost one game to um, Western Sydney Wanderers, but it was a clear mistake by the referee. And if the VAR was in place mm. in that game we want to do the game of a
1: penalty. Yeah but they might have also suggested the same thing happened in the earlier derby Terry but we won't go into that just yet mate because hopefully the VAR gets it right in the grand final. Terry thank you so much for your generosity tonight on the uh, you know, almost eve of the grand final. Uh, one thing we do also want to thank you for is we've got a couple of great sponsors on this show. One of them is Storage King and uh, you personally and the club uh, reached out to friends of ours uh, Michael and Anton Alafaci and, uh, and and made sure they had a special experience as Sydney FC uh, fans so thank Thank you for that, mate. Very, very much from the bottom of our hearts. And good luck on Sunday. I know our victory listeners will not be uh, endorsing our best wishes, mate, but we wish them to you from box to box, mate.
5: No problem at all. Thank you very much for your time,
1: boys. Good on you, Terry. Thank you very much, mate. After the break, stick around because we're going to talk more A League with the head of the A League, Greg O'Rourke. That's next on Box to Box. Box to Box. Can you- for chemist warehouse,
0: home of real brands and real savings,
1: and storage
0: king, they're just around the corner. And this could be the most
1: crucial goal yes, of all. This is box to box on NTS and News Talk Sport. Now, before the current season kicked off, David Gallup announced a new head of football with, as he described, the right skills and experience to drive the commercial performance of the Hyundai A-League. That man, former PepsiCo operations director Greg O'Rourke, also brought to the table a lifetime of football participation as former chairman of Football New South Wales and a former president of Sutherland Shire Football, Australia's largest suburban sports body. In fact, he was appointed. When he was appointed, we discovered that Greg was a current active player for Barden Ridge Football Club and he also coaches an all age women's team. So he's definitely got pedigree. Welcome to Box to Box, Greg. I say that little background, even though you've been in the job for a fair while now, just to refresh um, our listeners that um, you know, there is some criticism that the head office doesn't have a lot of uh, you know, football uh, DNA, but you certainly do. And, um, and how do you describe your transition from the corporate world? With your football passion into into this job.
7: Yeah, good evening, guys. Yeah, it was um, interesting to say the least. I think the um, the challenges that were on the table when I was uh, asked to apply for the role were definitely there, right? And uh, but it's been a very, very enjoyable uh, challenge. I think that uh, what is really obvious is the difficulty that the game has to try and meet all the aspirations of it, not only itself, but of its stakeholders, right? Uh, it's just not enough money yet, uh, at the moment, really, to sort of satisfy all the all the wants and the needs. But, uh, you know, it's been very um, satisfying from a personal point of view, and hopefully the game has uh, continued to move forward as a result of me joining.
1: And you're still playing for Baden Yeah,
7: I am. Actually, interesting enough, on I sent a note to the guys tonight and said that I've got one more game in the A-League, then I'm coming back to play.
1: So, to be honest, I have What are played. you, mate? Are you a sort of defensive midfielder or a, a, a goal poacher? What's your style?
7: Yeah, mate? no, I play centre mid, but uh, it's sort of the older you get. Well, I'm playing in an over 45 side. So, we sort of guessed uh, that. <laughs>
6: yeah. Yeah.
7: So, you know, as you move up through the age groups, you actually go back to being the forward and as you get older, you move back through the ranks again. So, <laughs> I'm uh, currently a midfielder, and probably in a couple of years I'll be back playing (laughs) centre-back.
2: Greg, um, when you first arrived uh, on the scene in this job, there was an atmosphere of uh, excitement around uh, potential expansion. Um, Since then, obviously, we've had this governance issue um, been boiling away for some time now, and um, some people uh, in the commentariat call it a crisis. But have you felt hamstrung, or have you felt constrained on what you can do based on the current state of flux around what the A-League structure and governance is going to look like uh, uh, into the future?
7: I wouldn't say it been hamstrung. What I would say is that it became very clear, as uh, I worked through with the other senior management guys and also the club owners, to be honest, that um, if the operating model was to stay the same, that we wouldn't actually be able to take the game to the next level because we wouldn't be able to attract the investment that we would need to be able to get new clubs, big clubs, um, clubs that had enough uh, or deep enough pockets to actually really be successful. So it became pretty obvious pretty quickly that expansion and a few other things were all possible as long as there was capital in the game. Now, once you sort of get to that conclusion then you need to actually say, well, okay, how do we do that? So we didn't really put expansion on the back burner. We just realised that we had to run two processes simultaneously, and the operating
1: model was going to be the key. Now, Greg, um, in terms of some of the recent announcements, um, you know, the the, the A League clubs, you know, arked up with uh, with the recent uh, announcements of divvying up the the, the most recent pine. And David Gallup's uh, response, in, in quotes, was it was hardly surprising that the owners of the clubs want more money. And we are providing them with more money after reducing the FFA, FFA's own costs significantly, but the FFA board also has a responsibility to the one point one million participants. That is the biggest balancing act, isn't it, balancing the tra- professional expectations, uh, the the people who believe that they drive the major source of revenue in and and the uh, the grassroots levels of of the game in this country
7: yeah it is a real balancing act not only from a financial perspective but actually even a focus perspective you've got the largest participation base in the country in respect to this sport and you know it's daylight second um and some of the other codes um are now sort of realizing that a lack of attention to the grassroots has led them to not being able to fund the professional game so there's there's a few learnings for us there in respect of making sure that the, the high number of participants are well looked after because they're the long-term fans mm-hmm. of the game, future fans of the game. They're the long-term sort of brand owners, if you like, of the game. So you need to focus on that. The other thing is there's a certain nationalistic pride that comes with our game and other codes, but I'd like to think for our game in particular the, around the World Cup mm-hmm. that you need to invest in pathways and also in winning national teams. Now, we've had a lot of criticism of um, our pathways and, you know, our juniors, our, our Ollie Roos under-23s team and, and even more junior teams not being successful. So you've got this want from the board and want from others to, to turn that around. And in a lot of cases, that can only be done with investment in dollars of, not only pathways, but sending players to tournaments in other parts of the world, which you know obviously yeah. costs money. So you've got an investment in there. And not lastly, but sort of the third thing, you've got this professional game that has this um, great opportunity in front of it to grow and to even connect to those other two that I've just mentioned. Yeah. And that requires investment as well. It requires an investment in players, inspectors, you know, being able to attract bigger marquees to this part of the world, investment in uh, uplift coaching staff, marketing staff, commercial staff to, to sort of put some oxygen into that. So it, it is a reality, right? I mean, and depending on where you sit in that spectrum, if you're in the A-League spectrum, you're saying, hey, we don't get enough. If you're sitting in the little grassroots guys down yeah. and sort of line marking the fields yeah. every Saturday morning. they hey, we don't, we don't get enough. And by the way, we don't really want to pay up anymore. We'd rather see money come the other way. And then if you're the national team, you're saying, well, winning uh, is at a cost and uh, yeah. can you invest more enough? So yeah. that's, that's the reality of the world. And where you sit, you'll have that landstruck.
2: Now, speaking of marking the lines, uh, we got a a big steamroller to flatten that pitch out before the weekend's grand final. Greg, it's uh, come under enormous criticism, uh, the pitch during the course of the year, but uh, a a lot of criticism in the last 24 to 48 hours.
7: Yeah, look, two things happened there. One is, um, you know, the way that we set our grand final is that um, as teams progress through the final series and every single game is a knockout, so even, you know, last week potentially either victory and or Sydney could have lost and both would have been out. So we then have to effectively have nearly every ground available for Sunday, May the 7th in every state. And, you know, now people are saying, well, not only should you have the ground available on the day, which we have, by the way, you should actually have the ground available with no other codes playing on the runway up to that. Yeah,
1: well, we did ask that question earlier.
7: Mm. (laughs) So... You know, you're in a position where you need to speak to all the main stadiums in Australia and say, can you just give us the whole weekend? You know, and don't play any other codes. Don't play anything where we'd like to play. And again, in theory, that sounds great. But in practice, that's going to work at some grounds who don't have a lot of competitors. But in some grounds, in some cities, that's just not going to be possible. So the other side of, This coin is. We've been speaking with the trust, and they are working day and night to fix this. And I understand from some of my guys that you know the groundsmen were out there at two am this morning and have been going all day um, repairing pitches and and swapping out um, rough patches and things like that. So you know we've got to give credit to, particularly the guys on the ground, literally who are working day and night to make sure that their pitch is um, as best as it can be for us
1: on Sunday afternoon. Yeah, you might have to do what the um, the South Africans did to the All Blacks uh, all those years ago, where they nobbled them before the uh, the World Cup final, mate, um, and uh, you know get that uh, rugby game uh, called off. But uh, that's uh, firmly... You reckon poison them, Rob? Yeah, well, yeah, I'm... You know, what, you're having a wind up and I don't expect Greg to comment on that. But uh, <laughs> no. I just reflect on uh, on uh, what did happen then. And I think that is documented fact that that happened many years ago. Anyway, just having a bit of fun. Greg, thank you so much for joining us on the show, um, mate. Um, congratulations on the job in, in you know difficult circumstances in year one, and uh, uh, just enjoy Grand Final day on Sunday, and uh, hopefully we'll be uh, treated to an epic match and um, and a, a, a winner that deserves the title. Yeah, no
7: thanks for that I mean we're expecting a full house and uh, ticket sales are all but done and we only really have a handful of tickets left to go which we'll probably sell overnight so uh, looking forward to uh, a great
1: spectacle beautiful we sure are Greg thank you next up we're going to dissect the game in even more detail with Dean Hennessy stick around that's all up on Box to Box Box to Box can you believe it for Kenneth Warehouse
0: home of real brands and real savings
1: and storage gear.
0: they're just around the corner and this could be the most
1: Crucial goal of all. Well, it's been a grand final, first hour from start, and we are going to finish it with exactly the same subject with our former Notts County man, 250-game veteran of the Victorian Premier League, Hume City coach, box-to-boxer's very own Dean Hennessy. Dean O, you were with us for Terry. He was up and about the great man.
4: He was. It's uh, <clears throat> He's always been quite confident about his own ability, and mm. certainly the teams he's played in, but... Uh, that's the first time I've most probably heard him that confident. I mean, he's been confident about what they've achieved this year, but he's uh, he's a very buoyant mood. And why wouldn't they be? I mean, they, yeah. sh- they should be positive, and there should be no negativity to enter the fray. I think. Well, we now know before Arnie we is... uh,
1: hang on, Edge, I've got something to say because oh, okay. uh, we before we, <laughs> we before, <laughs> before we get stuck into community the the the, announcement, don't we? Uh, yes, yeah, a community announcement. We'll call it that because Mother's Day is a community event, isn't it? Now, friends at Chemist Warehouse are our great supporters. Thank you, Mario. Big shout out to you. Who, uh, always supports us. Now this Mother's Day it's Sunday week. Chemist has got the big brand fragrances and Terry McFlynn will probably be out there buying it for his wife uh, um, as all us good husbands tend to do, buying uh, stuff for our wives who aren't our mothers. Uh, but we also say thank you to our own mums as well with luxury fragrances. Cacharel Lulu, Amor Amor, a 30ml just $24.99. Issey Miyake 100ml for $69.99. Stella McCartney 100ml $89.99. The big brand fragrances at affordable prices at Chemist Warehouse, so make your Mother's Day special this Mother's Day on Sunday week. Special prices at Mother's Day for Mother's Day Chemist Warehouse, where lowest prices are guaranteed every single time.
4: They certainly are, and I'll send me getting some uh, perfume, not for me, but uh, for some of my loved ones.
1: Exactly, mate. So back to the grand final now, Michael. You were going to say? Well, I was going to say that uh, Terry McFlynn.
2: he should be very, very pleased with himself because uh, previously when he's come on the show, he didn't give
1: us a lot, but uh, no, I mean, you, he issued challenge, you, and, didn't Yeah, we? yeah well, you, you sort of led with your elbow and, um, and, and, and sort of uh, uh, him. And delivered, didn't Yeah, maybe it was because you went in so hard that he, he
2: delivered. But. I've got a question to ask Dino, though, because um, we, we obviously have been scouring over uh, all the information that's available to us. Um, the question I have for Dean is, do you think Melbourne Victory will do something uh, unexpected in their team lineup? before this game or will it be uh, just as we anticipate and expect
4: no look I think they were quite positive about how they played last week
2: I was at the game uh... they didn't get a lot of reward for some dominance early did they no they
4: didn't Um, and there was some good goalkeeping there was some good last ditch uh, tackles from the defence Um, But they were the better team on the day. But as the game wore on, before they scored, you're thinking, I'm just wondering if Brisbane are going to nick something. Uh, But they didn't really create enough in that final third. And then when Berisha scored, which was a... One a good header, but a brave header as well, because there was bodies coming flying in.
2: Could it, the goalkeeper have done a little better?
4: I thought. Could I thought that when I first saw the ball? it. Yeah, yeah. My query was that I must admit. But I thought outside of that, I thought he'd played really well in goal, especially well, with all those stitches exactly, in
2: his Exactly. Yeah. Uh, and uh, you know, there was no doubt he was going to play, was it?
4: Uh, no, there was no doubt. I mean, they couldn't have put a young fella in there uh, making his debut in that type of game. I mean,
2: Rob had him buried last week. He thought there was no <laughs> chance of him playing.
1: We had to. <laughs> move There
4: were some I last did. rides. I did. Uh, there I there was last I'll,
1: I'll, I'll, I'll put my hand up um, and confess on anything, but I did not say that. I said that he would play. So, Edge, uh, get, you, 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 can get, you can go and get stuff. Listen to the podcast if you don't believe me. Now, Dino, yeah. Michael Lynch wrote a great article, um, which uh, which gave me Michael thought. Cool yeah, The PFA's Team of the Year shows victory way to upset Sydney Coronation on Sunday. So, yeah. he says, does the PFA Team of the Year loaded with Sydney defenders and Melbourne victory attackers provide the best clue as to how... Kevin Musket's outsiders could derail the Sky Blue Express in the Big Blue Grand Final. Um, so uh, it says, you know, obviously Troisi, Barisha, Rojas picked it as attackers uh, yep. against the uh, the winning back four of Ryan Grant, Alex Wilkinson, Michael Zula. What do you think Look, about um,
4: that? Look, uh, I think Mike's on to something... You know, like I've looked at the same thing. I mean, I know we've talked with Terry and gone through all of the statistics, but mm-hmm. the one thing that we didn't do, I just looked at the dominance like we've had year after year on box to box since we've been going, is that teams are generally dominant down their right side. And remember like you from do, all the uh, years. Bring that up we bring it up all the time and that obviously then leaves them vulnerable on their right side defensively. Mm-hmm. So again I thought, well let's just check that because that's something I didn't look into earlier in the day. They've scored, Sydney FC have scored 32 goals and only 18 from the left. So it's dominant, you know, it's almost double there. They're scoring down the right hand side, which obviously brings Philip Holosco and Ryan Graham to the table. Well, you're,
2: well you you love the way Ryan well, Graham I, I
4: And I do. And I love Philip Holosco as well. Yeah. I think he's very, very unsung in many ways. So I think his dominance, and then that's what that's going to bring then, uh, Daniel Georgieski, who will play and mark, you know, uh, Olosko. So So it's a really a battle of wits there. Um, And on the flip side, you've got on Melbourne Victory's side, they've scored 27 and only scored 13 from the left. So they've got double. So that Michael Zulo-Rojas combination is going to be really. So I think it's I think in the wide areas, when you then throw Geria and um, Ninkovic and you also Ben Kalfler and Ryan Grant, I think a lot of this could be won out in wide areas and if they do deliver then we know how good Barisha is in the air but we also know if it flips you know how good Bobo is in the air so I'm, I think it's going to be based on wide area and how well they do there
2: that's interesting Dino I've got another question for you because um, I'm a little bit uh, the other way compared to Michael Lynch who uh I wonder who I saw, saw was enjoying his striking down at the Warnable races this week, mm-hmm. Michael Lynch. He loves the races, Michael Lynch, especially <laughs> the cheap, yeah, well he's steeple a, chases. And he's
1: a, and he's a, he's a great uh, rider on the thoroughbred Absolutely. So we're but football, I,
2: think, I know, but I think, Dino, I've got another question today. Yeah. Can Melbourne victory hold out against Sydney FC? Because we saw a blistering, a blistering 30 minutes from C- Sydney FC in, the, in their semi final. I mean, it was all hands to the pump for Perth Glory, <laughs> and they. Couldn't withstand the No, elite.
4: look, give give um, give victory credit. They defended well when they had to, uh, but with all due respect, it's going to be a different forward line Absolutely. and a different forward thrust and a different team. And a different intensity. Full, full yeah, of intensity. And, and, and if
1: the video referee had have uh, um, ruled that second goal a uh, uh, no goal, which, it was a goal? Uh, well, I don't think it was. I goal. think it was a the goal. Um, then uh, then that does change everything. And, and plenty of people uh, don't I, think I, it was a goal. Look,
4: I well. I don't think it would have made a difference. I think they would have rolled on and they would have still beaten them. Mm. They're, they're a good side. They've been the best side. They are the bench, benchmark they're positive they're playing at home at the end of the day they play on that paddock so whether it's good bad or indifferent they're more used to it the victory are really the only way victory will they'll have to defend for their lives and when they do get their opportunities and their chances like they didn't on sunday but hmm. eventually did those chances will only come up very few and far between so it's going to be taking your chances when they arrive still maintain wide areas right. are going to be vital
2: predictions boys uh, from, I'll go first because I'm the clubhouse leader in the finals so see, he forgot to let anybody know, know
4: about
1: know, that. Know, no, right. Right. I'm
2: leading by one yeah, good. as a result of the two I, two I scored in the first round of the finals, Rob. Okay, when get you got with zero, it. Get on with it. Sydney, comfortably. You would score. 3-0. Uh,
4: I'm going to go a bit close. I do think Sydney as well. Uh, but I think that it could be most probably 2-1.
1: Okay, well, because I am the Devils' advocate par excellence, <laughs> I'm going to go for an upset. I'm going to suggest that Victory win this in a penalty shootout. Heartbreak for Sydney. The story goes on forever. That's
4: Score at normal time and extras.
1: Yeah, so it's, what is it? Well, I'm suggesting that it's going to be two all at the end of uh, of additional time, and um, and I'm not going to predict who's going to miss the the grant the the or, or uh, save. It might be a save, let, let alone a uh, a goal, a so. miss
2: Not a miss penalty, a save. That yeah, no, could be. Well done, Dino.
1: <laughs> We're going to talk about it. We'll break it all down next week. Why don't week, you say yeah. well done to me? Well, yeah, because
2: you you, <laughs> well you're,
1: you're, you're too busy patting yourself on the back. <laughs> Stick around because after the break, Simon Hill is in with a special edition of News Part 2. Eamon Tin and talking the A League Canberra push. And of course, Dino, he's going to return with everything going on in the international game. And there was plenty going on in the international game this week. Dino and loves his right hand side. He does to wrap it all up. That's all coming next on Box to Box.
0: Now. This is Box to Box with Rob Gilbert and Michael Edgley. Oh, what a goal! For Chemist Warehouse. Home of real brands and real savings. And
1: Storage King.
0: They're just around the corner. Absolutely fantastic!
1: Welcome back to Box to Box. In a moment, we'll talk to Simon Hill in a special edition of News Part 2. Then Eamon Tinnan to tell us all about the Canberra A-League push and Dino will return with everything going on in the international game. And we will, of course, wrap it up with stoppage time. But first, Simon Hill, great to have you back on the show, mate, in grand final week. Good to be with you guys. How are you? Yeah, really good, Simon, and uh, and really excited. Um, you know, look, uh, we'll talk about the pitch in a moment, but, uh, but this is the grand final we... Uh, we all were really hoping, as the season played out, um, it would have been nice if Sydney were coming into it undefeated. It would have just added that little extra piquant sort of uh, sort of thought to the undefeated side coming in. But that said, it's been a, a record-breaking run, and we've just had Terry McFlynn on the show. Um, and, uh, you know, Terry doesn't get that excited that often, but, geez, he's pumped, and, uh, and we all should be.
8: Yeah, well, why wouldn't he be? Um, I mean, Terry obviously was the captain the last time Sydney FC... Lifted the old uh, golden toilet seat in 2010. It was the same fixture, so I suppose it brings back uh, a lot of happy memories for him. Um, I think we're going to have a sellout grand final. At least I hope we are. Uh, and it's always a great showpiece occasion. I just just hope the game lives up to it, particularly given all the you know the problems surrounding the pitch.
3: Oh, what's wrong with the pitch, Simon? I hadn't heard about that at all. <laughs> It is. uh, I can confirm. We had uh, Greg O'Rourke on. There's basically a handful of tickets left. The only thing that would stop it being an absolute sellout or full house, rather, was the best way of describing it, is the SCG members Mm -hmm. not turning up. But they have got a pretty good history in the past of turning up. In fact, I I was just thinking off air. I mean, we're pretty blessed. Uh, We we don't say that very often with the A League. We've had a sellout at every grand final except for the one which was Central Coast Newcastle back Mm -hmm. in was it season two, Mm -hmm. and even then it was about thirty five thousand. And again, it was for a team from Gosford playing a team from Newcastle in Sydney so we've been lucky with the sellouts in Brisbane and Melbourne and Adelaide all over the place.
8: Well I think it also underlines really just how much you know the A-League has entered the mainstream consciousness all right It, it may not sell out every single weekend of the season but when it comes to the big events it shows that people are aware and they want to be there they want to be part of it and you know the, the great thing about our grand finals, and okay, this year is an exception, and we've had a few in Melbourne. But you know the, the other cities don't get grand finals because in in rugby league and Aussie rules, it's always in Sydney or in Melbourne. So, you know they're really special occasions when you go down to places like Adelaide or, or up to Brisbane because they don't get to experience that uh, too often. And I, I always remember the, the picture of a young kid. I think it was after the 2012 grand final. Uh, involving Brisbane and Perth. And uh, Matthew McKay took the uh, the trophy over to a young fan. He was only about four or five years old. And his face was sort of streaming with tears. Um, Even at that age, he knew what it meant. Um, And hopefully, you know, that young fan and and many others like him have been uh, football converts on on the back of that. So it's it's about selling the gospel as well as uh, deciding who the champion is, I think.
3: No, it's a good point about taking the game around the nation. My only now I'm gonna I've got talked it up now. My only downer is the whole Sunday five o'clock time. It's just that school night time. Um, there's no public holiday like the NRL. They have played on a Sunday. There's a there's a public holiday the next day. Um, Aussie rules, it's on a Saturday, so you've got the next day. So again, it shouldn't all be about having a, a big drinking culture, but there is a little bit of a drinking culture in football, you might have noticed. And for me, that's the only thing. And one thing we still don't have is the culture, I think, of of the party. So you have your NRL, your yeah, AFL, yeah. you have your mates over for mm-hmm. a barbie. I know a, a mutual friend of ours, Michael, went to Aaron's place with Brycey and the boys. And because it was Sunday, 5 o'clock on a school night, so to speak, it just didn't have that right vibe. And and um, last year, running uh, ran an event down at the Sporting Globe, and that was quite good. I mean, it was done impromptu, and uh, again, given it was Western Sydney playing Adelaide. But but this year is a bit different because you've got
2: the two bigger cities involved. But uh, Michael, well, I think Simon, Simon, we should ask. I think five o'clock for broadcast is pretty good for TV on a Sunday afternoon. People will have their feet up watching and listening to you, Simon, won't they?
8: Well, we hope so. The, the only other thing that's up against it, as far as I'm aware, is the city versus country rugby league. Well, goodness me.
1: How's it still if a thing? we can't yeah. beat
8: that, then we should... Well,
1: most of the clubs don't even want to send their players to play that game. Um, yeah, exactly. I wonder why.
8: So, look, I think if, probably if Fox had had their way, we would have had a 7 o'clock kickoff. Yeah. And I think I do think there's something about you know, nighttime. time football I agree. Mm. Uh, that, that makes it even, that even more special. But I suppose you've got to take into consideration as well the fact that there are an awful lot of Melbourne Victory fans coming up. In fact, I think, I hope, they, they've sold out all their bays yeah. and that probably just about leaves them enough time to get back to the airport and fly back for work the next day. Now, if it goes through extra time and penalties, they could be struggling, but, you know, theoretically at least, it, it's, it does give fans from interstate a chance to, to get back home, which, you know, you've, you've got to sort of take into account the, the cost factors. It's expensive not just to buy the ticket but to travel interstate as well uh, particularly if you've got young families so I think that's probably you know part of the equation but I, I, I definitely take your point that um you know I think an evening kickoff uh, maybe even a Saturday night grand yeah, final I don't that's know that's my point yeah um, th- that would have been preferable but I'm sure these are all things that you know the FFA and the clubs are looking at you know we're only 12 years old and we're still sort of finding our way in many ways. We haven't managed to build up that tradition. The one thing I'd like to see a lot more of is, you know, a little bit more homage paid to, to the history, um, not mm. just of the A-League Grand Finals, but I, I went on record a few years ago saying, you know, we should have a Grand Final parade of all past yeah. champions, including the NSL. Yeah, it's time Make them feel part of the big occasion. And let's, yeah. them, you know, we're yeah. so guilty of, as football people in Australia of, of not remembering our history.
1: Guilty of feeling um, guilty.
8: Yeah, well, exactly, and I'll give you another little example. On Monday night, I was lucky enough to be at the Dolan Warren Awards, um, and there wasn't a single image of Johnny Warren mm. anywhere, um, and very scant regard mm. paid. I mean, there, there was a couple of mentions of what Johnny did, but yeah. you know, it's it very um, very surface stuff. Now, Julie mm. Dolan was there because, thankfully, she's still with us, which is great. Um, but you know, Johnny was was a real legend of the game, and oh, yeah. there was no mention of former winners. Um, I think Bobby Tespotovsky, who presented the medal, was described as the first winner of it. Well, yeah, the A-League era he was. But, Mm. you know, the medal has been going on for 30, 40 years and includes people like Mark Viduka and Mm. um, many other famous names. And I, I just think we either ignore our history or, perhaps more scarily, people just don't know it.
2: Mm-hmm. I think people don't know it, uh, That's that's especially the, the new generation. And I think we all... Uh, people it's up to in us it, to teach them, isn't it? It yeah. is, it is. It's up to us to do that. But Simon, um, I read a very good piece by you during the week, which I quite enjoyed and it was very entertaining. Uh, if you're a betting man, what chance is this grand final going to be decided by a video referee oh, decision?
8: God, <laughs> I hope not. I pray not. Because that mm. would be the worst way. And you know what? Well, this, this is... <laughs> A tiny point here. This is is a purely selfish commentator's point of view. The last thing you want is your call of a grand final winning goal, spoiled by having to say, oh, we don't know if it's going to count or not. Let's wait for the big screen or for the referee or please. I I don't like this fear. I'm sorry. I know a lot of people Mm. want it. But me personally, Yeah. If we can teach people to respect the officials a little bit more, and let's mm. accept that human error is part of the game, yeah. that's far preferable than having this.
1: Well, that second decision I mean, on the weekend, that stuff
8: last week was
1: ridiculous. Yeah, that second decision is the one that, that were there where there'll be arguments until kingdom come about what was right, weren't they? You know, the you know the, the so-called true First football decision, people say yeah. that uh, that, um, that that it was a clear-cut uh, n- um, goal. Others will say there was interference. Um...
8: So it's not stopped the arguments, has no, it? No, no. it's what actually made it. it? Worse, Simon.
3: That's the whole point. <laughs> and, and, and if you look at the, your colleagues, um, your learning colleagues, and, and I hate to be disagreeing with two socceroos, decorated socceroos in Robbie Slater and um, Mark Bosnich, because they've probably... I'm not sure I've ever been signed for Man United once, let alone (laughs) twice. But (laughs) the point is, for me... And and it was Shterbray Delosky saying, oh, there was limited interference. Hang Mm. on. Mm. I'll use the line I used during the week. It reminds me of that line out of A a Few Good Men. Danger? Grave danger? Is there any other kind? I mean, (laughs) interference is interference. He blocked it.
8: Well, you know, the the opening line of my piece this week was be careful what you wish for. So, you know, this is the culmination of... Years of whinging and complaining about referees. Well, I hope you're satisfied with what you've got because this is the end result.
2: But Simon, I was at Blomfontein when I saw a F- Lampard score for England. Yeah, but that's
8: different. I was there as well. Goal different. line
2: technology. You can, uh, look, you, you know, can
8: put a chip in the ball. Yeah, that's okay. Or, or well, what about 1966? To say is the ball over the line, but that's. You know, that, that's a clear cut. Would England um, be a
1: World Cup winner if the technology existed in
8: 1966?
1: No, they would, because Jeffers scored another one towards the end. So not yeah, gonna... but the game was all set up anyway. we just <laughs> devil's <laughs> advocate. Just but, uh, yeah, but your point's well made, mate. There, there is no... I mean, th- if there's one sport in the world that just dissects video technology more so than any other. It's American football. And, and look how how that game has changed. I mean, you go back to the history of when it first started, uh, the game time uh, would have been about a quarter of what it is now. And uh, and they just, they've just they just gone to the uh, extreme, haven't they? So, well, you know, look,
8: my fear is this. My fear is this. And I've already had one O-League coach. I won't tell you who he is, but I've already had one O-League coach say to me, we need this for second yellow cards as well. Hmm. So what next? Throw-ins offside? Hmm. Um, you know, it's going to bleed into other areas of the game and that's why I don't like it. It's, it's, the other thing is the cost aspect of it, which I'm told if we're going to have this next season, it's going to cost north of $500,000. Well, I can think of 100 things that we could spend $500,000 on that would be far more worthwhile than something that's been used three times in 14 games.
1: Yeah, I goes to the point is that uh, if there's one... Um in international country playing football that doesn't have the the deep pockets to afford this kind of technology right now and be the guinea pig, uh, it's Australia, isn't
8: it? Yeah, well I mean we've got it on a trial basis at the moment uh, obviously FIFA is looking at it for its major tournaments you know, I don't know. Maybe Does FIFA pay for its World Cup level? I honestly couldn't tell you. I would yeah. imagine they would do yeah. I know that when I saw them um was a game at uh, ANZ Stadium, I think it was involving the Wanderers and there were FIFA officials or observers there looking at how this all worked. So I, w- I would assume that they've they've stomped up at least part of the cost. But if, we, if we're going to have it on a full-time basis, I think we're going to have to shell out ourselves. And I just don't think it's
1: worth it. Right, well, hang on, hang on. I'm you trying, are you trying to wrap me up? Yeah, no, I'm trying to wrap you up. I want to get back to the game because uh, I, I want <laughs> to stop talking about VAR. I want to talk about Simon and his views on this game itself. Does Sydney just go out and win this, or uh, are Victory going to have a little bit more to say on the matter than, uh, than some people think?
8: Well, I don't just think Sydney will uh, roll them over. I mean, Victory are a good side, and I think the good thing for Kevin Moskett is you know, now that the, the games actually mean something, because you know, for five, six weeks during the latter part of the regular season, they knew where they were going to finish. They weren't going to win it. They weren't going to finish third. They were finishing second, and everybody knew that. Um, so probably it's understandable that they lost a little bit of edge in their play. Um, if they can't get motivated for a grand final, well, they don't deserve to be there. I think they will be. Um, and we do forget that even though Sydney have won all three games between the two this season, Victory have taken the lead twice. Mm. And in that first game in particular, were you know rather unlucky to lose. So they've certainly got the weapons to hurt Sydney FC. The, the key really for Victory for me is they can't afford Sydney to, to score the first let Sydney score the first goal. Yeah. Because we know how tight their defence is. So that places an awful lot of responsibility on not only the back line of the goalkeeper, but also the screening midfielders. I think Lee Broxman, Carl Valeria Key, try to keep Minkovic quiet. Alan Barrow is outstanding against Brisbane. He's going to need to play probably even better than that if victory are going to win it. So they're going to have to be at their very, very best. There's no doubt about that. And if you ask me who I think's going to win, yeah, I think Sydney will win
3: but that doesn't mean that Victory don't have a chance. They do. Hey, settle a bit uh, for me, Simon. I mean, I've been saying for a long time, and, I, and this is not impugning in any way, shape or form, what Sydney FC have done this season, because it's obviously miraculous. You know, they won the league by bloody 50 points. Um, but if they don't lift that trophy on Sunday, and again, as, as an Englishman, I'm interested in, and I reckon I know what your opinion might be, but if they don't <laughs> win... what surprised. Well, <laughs> if they don't win what is the ultimate prize in Australian football on Sunday, has it, mm. to say it's, not, it's been all for now, Nothing is wrong, but how much gloss comes off this season if they don't actually win the main prize?
8: No, oh, I think a fair bit, to be honest. Um, I know what you do, this is the old argument about you know what's more important, but whether we like it or not, and what I think doesn't really matter. The fact is in Australia we decide the champions on Grand Final day, um, and everybody knows the rules before the start of the season. So if Sydney do lose on Sunday, they can't have any complaints. You know they're not the champions. It's as simple as that. Yes, it will probably in many ways be a travesty, and it will feel a little bit odd, but that's only because they've been so dominant during the regular part of the season. You know, teams that have finished in second spot have won the grand final before. I don't see anybody in Newcastle complaining that uh, they're not champions, (laughs) even though they finished second in 2008. So, you know, that's what goes down in the record books. And uh, as I say, you know, whether you are a fan of the finals or not, the fact is, as the rules stand the team that wins on Sunday is the champions. So let's see if Sydney can handle the pressure. Mm. Look, I'm pretty sure that they can, but that's part of the test, isn't
1: it? Yeah, absolutely. As long as we see um, an entertaining game that befits the, um, the grand final stat- status and um, and hopefully the pitch doesn't have any major say in the game, um, I'd just like to see uh, a nail-biting extra-time winner with a goal in open play to finish it off, regardless of who wins.
8: Well, let's see if you're right. I mean, obviously, the last one uh, in Melbourne... I was going to say the last one. It wasn't mm. the last one. Obviously, they won 3-0, didn't yep, they, victory yep. in 2014-15. Mm. But, you know, in 2010, it was mm. it was an nail bifer that went to penalties. Very. And tense, who, and know, who so. missed the
1: penalty, mate? Yeah, Mosky. The man who doesn't yeah. miss. Who yeah. scored the winner? Mm, you're about to tell us, aren't you? Come on. Oh, Come on. Who scored the... Was it... Uh... The winner? Who?
3: Dino's, it was
8: uh, the oh,
3: Korean, of course. Oh, of course, and of course, Adrian Zaha, Zara, just trying to head the ball through from about a foot off the ground for some reason. Anyway. <laughs> was anyway, Adrian, Laya, Adrian, Adrian, Adrian
8: was it Adrian Laya Laya? The
1: Melbourne Heart. <laughs> uh, so yeah, Adrian, yeah, wrong post.
3: Come on, boys. See, that's why we need the
1: VAR, Simon. That's, 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 like that. that's why you're the voice of the A-League, Simon, and we're just your mere minions, mate. <laughs> <laughs> hey, enjoy minions the VAR, game.
3: Commentary
8: assistant.
1: Yeah, that's why you're on Fox Sports and I do NPL coverage. <laughs> <laughs> hey, mate, enjoy the game on Sunday. You're in that privileged position of being able to uh, to take the box seat and describe the game. Uh, we love you, your stylings, mate. Uh, they're outstanding. They're every bit as much uh, a part of this whole A-League culture and football culture in this country as, uh, as the game itself, as far as I'm concerned, mate. So thanks for your time tonight.
8: Pleasure guys Enjoy the grand final. We'll day, sure,
1: See you, mate, man. next time. Next up, stick around. Canberra, the Canberra Times aim tin, and we're going to talk about the Canberra push to join the A-League. That's next on Box to Box. Box to Box. Can you believe it? The Chemist Warehouse,
0: Home of real brands and real savings.
1: And storage geek.
0: They're just around the corner. And this could be the most
1: crucial goal. This Box to Box on NTS News, talk sport on digital radio, streaming through any number of apps around the world, or perhaps you're listening to the podcast on Box to Box NTS. Dot com dot au. Now just about every market in the Australian football world has had their say on expansion, and this week it's the nation's capital's turn on our show to give us some background on just how well set up their push is to welcome the Canberra outfit into the A-League. Welcome to Box to Box, the Canberra Times, I'm in Tin.
6: G'day, guys. Thanks for having
1: me. Thanks for coming on the show, Eamon. About a week and a bit ago, you wrote an article in the Canberra Times uh, uh, talking about the the, um, the Canberra push. So, mate, could you give us the, the brief version of uh, of uh, just who the people involved are, um, how it's set up, and and, uh, and and what the local government support um, is for the bid? Uh,
6: there's a few factors at play there, but put simply, basically, most people thought the, uh, the bid, there was a bid a few years ago that um, most people thought was finally dead and buried last year. And then a few rumours started circulating at the start of this year that there was a separate team putting a bid together that was thought to be coming from Sydney, but then um, I did a bit of digging and emerged last week. It was a local business analyst by the name of Jeff Williamson. He's mm-hmm. leading up a, uh, a team of about 12 local business identities uh, in Canberra putting together a bid. It's still uh, very early stages, but Jeff's informed me there's about 100 people either involved or willing to be involved, whether that be through sponsorship and, and what have you. The government side of funding, they've... Uh, well, the big talk of, in town here is a, a stadium in the in the centre of town, a bit like the Adelaide Oval, but mm-hmm. they want to spend $350 million on yep. it. And um, Chief Minister Andrew Barr came out a few weeks ago and said that he ne- there needs to be not only Super Rugby with the ACT Brumbies and NRL yep. with the Raiders, but there also needs to be A-League content. Mm. And he didn't know too much about this bid, so I think he was trying to kind of say that to save his own skin, having to pledge so much money to this project, and then it emerged that there was a bid in place, and um, they've remained very quiet kind of since that's happened. But uh, yeah, as I said, it's still pretty early stages of it all, but they're, they're an enthusiastic bunch, and um, everyone I've kind of spoken to in the in the soccer communities, you know, former soccerers and um Ned Zellich and, and Tony Vidmar is, is down here at the AS there, all four. And I spoke to Jason Carey, who's obviously playing on, in Sunday's grand final. And he's a Canberra mm. boy, and he, he'd love to see it. So there's a bit happening, but there's a long, long way to go.
1: Yeah, it does seem that. I mean, they spent $285 million on Amy Park, and they've got four tenants um, for, for, for uh, you know, uh, winter and summer codes with the, the two A-league clubs, of course, and the, uh, the Melbourne Storm and the Rebels. So you'd think that um, with Canberra Stadium already existing um, that uh, it you know, it's a hard um, sort of argument to push to, to spend 350 million dollars on a purpose-built stadium when there's already a rectangular stadium there. But uh, uh, but the few thing, people might beg to disagree with you. Well, there, well, right? well, they might. I'm just venturing it's an opinion, in Michael, and uh, you can go ahead and venture it in just a moment. But the point um, that I was going to allude to was that there is one thing that there should be no argument about is that we should have a team in the A League from the nation's capital. That's clear. Well, that's uh, that's an
2: interesting point to talk about because it's all about who they would be. Competing against To win a licence Eamon Can you For our We're a national program Can you Explain the significance Of building a stadium In Civic Which is As I understand it uh, In the middle of the city Versus where the current Bruce Stadium is Because Bruce Stadium Has had a few problems For big When big crowds I know when the Socceroos last played there There was uh, A lot of trouble Getting in and out Of the stadium uh, Traffic crushes Infrastructure Support for public transport Those types of things But can you just For the listeners uh, Right around Australia Explain how how that would transform Canberra having a stadium in Civic?
6: It would have a huge effect. I mean, Bruce, Canberra Stadium out in Bruce is in the middle of nowhere. There's no bars or restaurants or minimal public transport around. It's it's absolutely freezing out there. It's it's nearing its use-by date rapidly um, within the next five, ten years, actually. And it's just no-one goes because, it's as I said, there's nothing to beforehand or after. It's hard to get to. You can only park a million miles away, and once you get to the stadium, the vast majority of it... Exposed. There's only about a few thousand seats that are undercover, and you know, you just got to look at look at you know, Lang Park in Brisbane, right in the in the middle of Caxon Street there, or the Adelaide Oval. You look at all these inner city stadiums, and the statistics back up. I mean, the most recent one that was built would be the Adelaide Oval or an indoor stadium over in Benidin in New Zealand, and crowds go up about 30 percent. And it's not just the crowds and the sports. I mean, it's all the business and the ripple effect before and after a game it would pump, you know, over the course of its life, you know, hundreds of millions, if not billions of dollars into Canberra's economy, especially in the CBD there.
2: Absolutely. So is there a site or a a parcel of land that's been nominated as a likely likely destination for this stadium?
6: There is in Civic. There's currently, uh, it's called the Civic Pool, which is land owned by the ACT government. The land out of Bruce is currently owned by the federal government and the ACT government pay in the vicinity of $350,000 a year just to rent it. Um, and so that's that's where it's been proposed to be put, right in the heart of town. They're kind of right down near Lake Burley Griffin. Um, that's kind of where they're looking at the moment, but there's, <laughs> there's, a, there's a light rail project here in Canberra at the moment which kind of decides the last election. And... And all kind of funds went into that, and there's there's all sorts of other things the governments have found excuses not to pour money into sport. Um, so we're, again, we're we're at least five, ten years away from any kind of you know the first brick being laid, so to speak. But there is a space for it, and there there is an appetite for it, at least amongst the sports fans, anyway.
1: This is box to box on NTS News Talk Sport. We're talking to Eamon Tiernan from the Canberra Times and Edge is up and about on this story mate he's already uh, uh, put me in my box uh, for the, my views on the stadium as I think you did too um, mm-hmm. he wants to ask you something else um, and um, and uh, get stuck into it right now don't you Edgeley? thank
2: you Rob I, I just would like uh, Eamon to maybe explain the leader of this bid Jeff Williamson who he is what he's involved with what what sort of capacity and is he a shaker and mover
6: uh, he's a bit of a, a bit of a shy character. He it took some convincing even to to go public. Once I kind of found out who he was, he uh, you know he doesn't want to come out and promise the world and deliver an atlas, so to speak. So he's, he's a business analyst in town. He, his son actually plays in the NPL up in Sydney, and I think one of his biggest uh, motivators is to kind of keep Canberra's talent in town, especially with the A. S. Centre of Excellence set to close down in August. I don't. I think maybe wouldn't call it his biggest motivating factor, but just kind of watching his son, a talented young player, have to go to Sydney oh. to get a chance in the NPL ranks up there. He thought, well, you know, if you think about the towns being thrown around with the, what, the Sunshine Coast and, and South Melbourne and Tasmania and Geelong, he kind of figures, well, Canberra's got a real shot here, so I'm going to get this back on the table. But the other side of it is, um, this, we've kind of been through this all before, with Ivan Slavich led a bid they raised $5 million you know they had they ticked all the boxes and uh, they went with the Western Sydney Wanderers which was obviously the right choice I mean that's been a huge hit out there and a, a huge market but I think if you look at the market now Canberra is a pretty strong bid must be said
1: well uh The man himself that we're talking about, Jeff Williamson. um, He, if you jump on the Raw website, he uh, is quite a uh, prolific writer uh, of articles about uh, football, and uh, one in particular recently, um, just uh, a couple of weeks ago, that he posted on the 4th of April about the history of the uh, the NSL uh, in. um, in Canberra, and of course, uh, Johnny Warren, um, a coach of Canberra City, and um, and that uh, that pedigree uh, stands up against any speculation or scrutiny, I should say. Um, so. Yeah, my
2: mob uh, Heidelberg United beat Canberra City in the very first uh, championship you, final.
1: You would get that in anywhere.
2: Yeah? <laughs> I just had to get that in up in Canberra. Uh, what a what a day that was! Do you
1: remember that one, Eamon?
6: Uh, I wasn't even born yet. No.
1: <laughs> <You> <laughs> in Somehow I sensed that. <laughs> <laughs> hey, Eamon, look, thank you, mate. You really across this uh, brief, and um, and we're grateful that you've you've shared the subject with our listeners because, uh, you know, uh, even though it seems that the FFA and David Gallup um, are not, uh, you know, sort of uh, jumping. Um, uh, with enthusiasm, given that you know they're talking about the, the population size of a million people, you know potentially not being able to sustain uh, a team. Uh, you, you'd argue against that when you look at uh, you know towns like uh, or cities like Newcastle, of course, who who've got a team already, and in other competitions uh, around this country alone, where uh, you know Geelong. You know, less of a population has a fabulous football team in the AFL so hopefully they'll get um, a serious hearing and uh, whether it's in the first round of expansion or, or the second uh, maybe uh, they will build that fabulous stadium and um, I can come up and visit my little brother Kieran uh, um, up in town and, uh, and watch a great game of football uh, in the middle of town I
6: hope so, I mean the Central Coast Mariners played two games here this season and they only got 5-6 thousand in for each game but I think if there was a Canberra team that was the Canberrans down here would really take it as their own and turn up in numbers, especially if the you go get a beer before the game in town.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Great stuff, Amen. Thank you, mate.
6: All right, thanks fellas.
1: After the break, stick around because Dino is back and we're going to talk about all the international news, the, uh, the crescendo of the, the international tournaments and, uh, of course, the uh, Champions League. What a couple of brilliant results there were this week. That's all next on Box to Box. Box to Box. Can you believe it? The warehouse.
0: Home of real brands and real savings.
1: And storage gear.
0: They're just around the corner. And this could be the most crucial goal of
1: all. This is Box to Box on NTS News, TalkSport on digital radio, streaming on perhaps TuneIn Radio, maybe radio app. You might be listening to the podcast on boxtoboxnts.com.au. All 77 episodes are loaded there for you to listen to any time you like. Now, Dino's here to go through the international game, but uh, the A-League season is going to be over this weekend, so a lot of people might be going off for an extended holiday, Dino. They might. Yeah, Yeah, they might be. Yeah, they might need to store something. So why don't they get down to Storage King, our great friends at Storage King. Make it your first destination, because Storage King is the secure way to store TVs, computers, wine collections.
2: I heard the uh, Sydney Football Stadium, or the Sydney Football Trust, whatever they're called, that run the... Uh, Elion Stadium at their store their steamroller at Storage King yeah. and they've l- lost the keys because they obviously can't get it out <laughs> very to road, uh, very make, make the uh, pitch flat right? well we
1: better ring Michael Tate Bob the, Bob. Uh, the CEO he, he better, get, out because, he better
2: uh, get the master key organised all, <laughs> all, all the
1: boys there Michael Alafaci, uh Piero um, uh, hey, what are they all called all the up there? there the trust what is it the, the SCG Trust. The Trust, yeah. Right. Well, they, they want Sydney FC to win. Every single one of the boys at head office wants to, Sydney FC to win. So we'll get that steamroller out of the Storage King precinct, uh, wherever it's hidden away, maybe Alexandria somewhere, because if it's precious to Sydney FC, like the trophy, like the toilet seat trophy, they might want to store that some stage down the track. You want to store it safely at Storage King because they're just around the corner. Call 1-800-STORAGE. Today you'll go to storageking.com.au for your nearest store. Dino, what a blockbuster week it was in, uh, in football. And as Edge said before the show, normal uh, programming resumes. Real, Juventus. They just go out there and get the job done.
4: Incredible. Um, really, Ronaldo. and good uh, was he? Glossy. Well, Ronaldo <laughs> at his very, very best. I mean, the stats don't lie. I mean, I've just looked at 103 goals in Champions League. Um, I mean...
2: <laughs> so it invokes the discussion, doesn't it? The debate... This His performance evoked the debate about... Who's the better player? That's right. Yeah, I Messi so. versus Ronaldo. Yeah, look,
4: I, yeah. I think it does. When, when have it's, you got a view when, on that? No, well, I, I have got a view. I always... I've always tossed and turned and gone one way or the other but I think based on what Ronaldo's form at the moment and and doing it at those levels, I mean he scored eight goals in the last three Champions League games so it's just absolutely massive so I think that ties over but you never never know Um, but Atletico were really hard to break down and they broke them down quite easily on a number of occasions, there was chances before the goals and Ronaldo's finishing was sublime Um, and look I think unless they score really early Atletico but they're going to have to start Ronaldo even away from home. Well, mm-hmm. from from them being at home, and it's not really an away game, is it? It's, it's no, still I know. Madrid.
1: That's right. So look, game. I think
4: that game's almost in the rack. But again, let's not ever. Oh, I just, but, uh, yeah, I think it is. But the other the other game was interesting. Monaco have been unbelievable. Monaco, in this, you mean? Yeah, yeah, that's right. Uh, they've been unbelievable in the Champions League this year. They score goals for fun, but. They came up against, um, well, one of the most probably the best the old goalkeepers. Lady, mate. Yeah, and one of the best goalkeepers uh, for a long, long time in Buffon. You know.
1: But uh, Killian Mbappe uh, did have a couple of shots on goal. But uh, they put the 18-year-old back in his place. Great but,
4: picture of Buffon just patting him on the head and saying, oh, "Unlucky, <laughs> son.
1: <laughs> but next week, that's the thing. I mean, um, you know, Michael and I were talking again off air about this uh, as to whether uh, now that that they just have to win... Monaco just go out there and, and uh, you know be prepared to lose 6-0 and just blaze away. You they know? might. I mean, what look, what they choice might. have they got?
4: got well, I say, I mean, one away goal quickly, and then obviously you know, they'll be confident, but I think what was funny, I did see the highlights, I've, I didn't see the game live, uh, but the commentator was absolutely slaughtering Higley before he scored, he said, oh, he's missed so many chances, and then the <laughs> next chance he gets he yeah, scores he and gets both, and Look again. That's two go two goals away. It's it's going to be very very hard. All
1: right, that's Champions League. What's next? So right? I think
2: we part that. Uh, just before we go on to, no, no. Just before we go on, I just wanted to say and this is very important. Uh, yesterday a, a, a better be. Yesterday was uh, the, the actual day that in 1949 the entire squad of Italian champions Torino died in that air disaster. We should just
1: uh, mm. reflect on that yeah, for no, a moment. No, no, that's um, in, 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 in the up, past 12 months. Bring uh, it up you know, a step there, yep. we, um, yeah. Um, we, uh, definitely oh, remember that. G'day. You've just, what, just, just crashed on, up, yeah, why not? in the on As the Premier like League segment
2: started, Mark, just arise.
4: Well, I think the Premier League now is going down to the last, basically the last four games. I know there's a couple of teams, Southampton's got something like... Uh, I think they've got five games left. but And then there's a few who've only got three left. But uh, midweek results, is really most probably Chelsea had an unbelievably good win last week. And it was always the one that they always feared that was the, the slippery one, Everton away. Um, and then Tottenham just won the London derby with ease. And uh, mm-hmm. and really, it's status quo. But Chelsea have got three home games in there, four games. And against opposition that are very beatable, so I think another couple of wins for Chelsea, and and I think it's pretty well over.
3: Have you um put your crystal ball on the actual top four? Well, I I have. I've got. And please I, tell me United's done it.
4: Well, I've got I've got definitely Liverpool in it. Um and and again they're on 69 points, and I get that because there's even though Man United's got a game in hand, if Man United were to win it, then all of a sudden they're in 68. So it is still pretty tight. i have not got. Arsenal in my top four. I don't think that's going to happen. I think the best the best they can hope for is. Well, did you say,
3: yeah. Did you see the meme with the news yesterday <laughs> that we thought maybe the Queen had passed yeah, on or and, I did, I and then it. they had the picture of the Queen, of course, at Buckingham Palace. <laughs> the, mess, the message
1: that we're all waiting for: Wenger out.
2: Look, I think the. <laughs> big... Why she, she follow?s
1: I, did, I heard a press conference with uh, with Finger, um, she got a t- uh, yesterday, and 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 he was saying, you know, he was reflecting on, you know, how you know the differences in the life of of an elite uh, sports person, um, where the highs are higher and the lows are lower. I thought, hang on, what does that mean? The lows aren't lower as a um, as an elite sportsman. I mean, the lows are low, but uh, I think he's just got to get uh, with the program. And, Who's the um,
3: bald prince? He's isn't he a Birmingham fan? Uh, I don't know. The bold so, one, the main William. one, William. William. Yeah, William. We might. Okay. To, is
4: might he, to, a bro- is right. he a Birmingham fan? Are you know sure
2: that. he's a Birmingham
4: fan? No. Well, if he is, he's got a nervous weekend when when we look at the championship. But <laughs> <and> anyway, <other. laughs> <laughs> uh, but he's got old Howie, so Howie's <laughs> in charge. We'll be all right. But look, the main games I think this week: Tottenham going away to West Ham, which is always tasty, uh, both on and off the field. So I think Tottenham must win there. Uh, Manchester City at home to Crystal Palace. Whole City play Sunderland, who were relegated. Now, this is going to be big, because Hull really, really desperately need a result. And then Swansea also play Everton. Um, So, again, Swansea, they're in the bottom three. Hull City, two points uh, adrift of that. Both play the same game. So, those two games are very significant. Throwing in then, going in with Liverpool, playing against Southampton. So, they must win to keep the pressure on keeping that top four spot. And then Arsenal play Manchester United. So that's most probably, for the pundits, a really, really big game because it is one of those six-pointers. If United win, Arsenal are gone. They won't be in the top five. And, you know, I don't know what the chances are of and even a Europa. Well, that's right. Um, but then later in the week, because the, the games will come fast and furious, Chelsea play Middlesbrough.
2: Who, now, for Middlesbrough, I mean... They're desperate. They need to win that, and they won't. So they're down. Um, Hull or Swansea?
4: I don't know. I I really don't Palace know. This, I think this 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 weekend's game will will say all. I mean, if if Hull, Hull should beat Sunderland, Sunderland and Swansea aren't always forced to beat Everton, but mm-hmm. it's down to Swansea. They came well back well last week. Sigerson great finish to at, at Old Trafford. What do you reckon? Let's wait till next week because okay. that mm-hmm. result will make a big difference. I mean, it might be status quo, but then it will be one game closer. So um, so that's really the Premier League and. Um, there's a lot to play. This weekend's a really important weekend for most, now, most clubs. Now, how would you
1: feel if you played for Huddersfield and um, yeah. and you were rested this weekend uh, for the final um, uh, game of the regular season because y- your coach was uh, preparing you for a playoff? Oh, you've they rested a, a few last yeah, week. Yeah. No, got, I'm just I've, asking the question. I've
4: got no problem with it. Mm. I think you've got a squad. You know, you, you, you build a squad for for all events, and as long as you keep that commitment. I know they're looking into it and they're questioning it, but I think it's uh, there's no problem with it at all. And...
1: And what a week um, our man Aaron Moy for that furry team had. He had a rest?
4: Yeah, yeah he, well, he had a rest
1: now, but he, um, I'm saying he, he was picked as the uh, the Huddersfield Player of the Year. Oh, I mean, so probably. he should be too?
4: As, as did uh, Jackson, Jackson Irvine, Irvine for, for yeah. um,
3: Burton, which is. A he got the fans' players, also the players' players, plus he obviously got the golden Jackson. boot. Golden yeah. boot. I mean, yeah, got all three. Jackson. Yeah. You no, know. no,
1: we were referring to two players. Oh, Jackson. Yeah. Jackson no, yeah. why? Because yeah. I've got
3: Jason Jason Davidson on the brain because I see he's going to be back at Huddersfield next year because he's uh, stint, I think, at Groningen. Yeah, he's uh, yeah, coming come to an end. But yeah, yeah but he's not... He's out of favour um, there. Maybe if they stay down in the championship. Hey, before you go on, Dino, yeah. I know because I had the right city, wrong team though. Quite yeah. a faux pas. He's a Villa man.
4: He's a Villa oh, man. Is is he? Well, there you go. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, no, not, so not, not a v- fucks pass. Yeah. That will make a big difference. <laughs> Excuse me. Just not just, just quickly. A moment over there was it? <laughs> just quickly. This is the last game of the season.
2: Maybe so he can fix an Yetanek's groin.
4: Just on a serious <laughs> note, this is the last game of the championship this week, and Birmingham City, Nottingham Forest, Blackburn Rovers. There's two points separating them, and they're in a scrap. Birmingham have got a difficult game at Bristol City. Birmingham they're Birmingham were the uh,
2: benefactors of Huddersfield resting players plays.
4: That's right. And got the results under Howie. Uh, Nottingham Forest play Ipswich Town at home. And then last but not least, Blackburn Rovers play at Brentford. So there's a lot riding on that. Leeds have to win like 20-odd nil to try and reverse if yeah. Fulham get beat. That won't happen. And that's pretty well sums up the championship but what I want to do is quickly just touch on the League 1 playoffs Bradford City Fleetwood and Millwall Scunthorpe will start on Thursday and finish on Sunday with a return leg League 2 we've never discussed League 2 and um, it's the old 4th division in the days when I was growing up but what the statistics showed for me was unbelievable I only floated in because um, one of my godsons, sons um, who plays in the 5th division as they call it now um, he's transferred from Solihull to Chester. And I looked at the wrong screen. When I did look at the screen, I looked at the league table and the top three are all promoted, but all can win the league and finish first. So there's games in that. There's two teams already in the playoffs and that's all right, but there's something there that they can actually say what position they finish. Then from Carlisle at sixth, that some people may never have heard of Carlisle, all the way down to Mansfield at 12, they've all got a chance to get in the playoffs. At the bottom, Newport and Hartlepool could get relegated. So out of all of the games, which there are 12, Mm. 11 have an outcome that's going to affect everybody, which I could not believe. So... Mm. I think we'll report what happened next next week's show, but it's it was really really interesting that you know, and that's where these playoffs do and these relegation yeah. playoffs they make a big big difference.
1: Yeah, it's exciting, good stuff, Dino. All right, mate. Well, uh, back next week. Well done. Again. Go the blue noses. They got to stay up
4: and just mm-hmm. go Blackpool as well, my mate Gary Bowyer. So yeah, he's and, one of uh, those in that uh, in that uh, promotion. Push. And go
1: Gigi Buffon, Juventus into the Champions League final. Easy. Well done, Dino. You can have next. a rest next time. Stoppage time. Marco, you stick around. Don't go back to sleep in the corner. That's coming up on Box to Box. Box to Box. Can you believe it? The Chemist Warehouse.
0: Home of real brands and real savings.
1: And Storage King. They're just around the corner.
0: And this could be the most crucial goal of all.
1: What a ripping show it's been tonight. We've had Terry McLean. What are you giggling at, you clowns? I mean, this is a serious <laughs> football on conversation. On. <laughs> the boys have all had a brain explosion. Episode episode 77. Oh, I love I, that. I that, especially because he's given me a
3: ride home, hopefully still. Yeah. But um, the, every week he turns to Nigel, he put, Turn me on. I can just press the on. Listen, Nigel and I have got <laughs> this little thing going. It's been going for a long time.
4: You can see Nigel through the window and he looks after me and just brings me in. The reason he does it, and I know why, I do breathe heavy, so he keeps That's me true. off right Ooh. to the end.
1: Was it you that rang me last time? Anyway, uh, Dino, um, that, that's because you're a coach and you expect other people to do stuff for you. Correct. Cool, right. That's the reason oh, why. Mate. Delegation. So it is. Thanks, Nigel. Uh, look, is that. Well, well there was uh, five minutes. There's now four minutes left on uh, stoppage time. Uh, Marco, yeah, you got a little story. Dean's sticking around.
3: Well, Dino's here because he's obviously uh, coaches at a. Fairly high level in Australia. Yeah,
1: so, this is the new uh, penalty shootout. Well, this is 2. what's 0. being proposed.
3: So, penalty shootouts in football could be transformed to make them fairer under a new plan being looked at by UEFA. The Sports European body is already trialling a new way for pens to be taken in decisive shootouts. Instead of teams alternating spot kicks, UEFA is considering a new system similar to the tie break. In tennis, which I don't understand because I don't watch tennis. The system is being tried at the European Under-17 Championships, which began in Croatia.
1: Women's Under-17 Championships. I was going to say women's here. Yeah, I think
3: it is. Which, uh, anyway, which is happening in Croatia as we speak. Um, What makes the perfect World Cup shootout penalty? How does it work as it stands? Of course. Now you knew a bit of this. So apparently, under the current system, whoever gets to shoot first, which is obviously a toss of a coin, they have a 60% chance of winning. Yes. So this, Dino, from our understanding, instead of being the A B A B system.
1: second, first
3: second. So, you know,
1: here we go again. So the first... Which song would you like to choose? Mamma Mia? So you win the the toss, you get the choice. The first goal scorer takes one shot, then the second takes two.
4: Yeah, then it's two for the other, two for the other, Mm. two for the other, and it ends up the team that didn't take first will take the last one.
1: Yeah,
4: yeah. So, I don't don't mind it. Mm. I don't mind it. And if, if that are the stats, the only way you can work it out is if this happens and then you'll see what the start it could be swing 60% the other way. I there think it's go.
3: good. I think we've
2: it's got a clean sweepy. Do you like it, Mac? I, f- I don't think I understand it. My little brain can't work it out. No,
4: it's <laughs> that's Abba.
2: Uh, yeah, I no, I've read it. Yeah, I've read it several times. Time.
4: This, this is more Abba, Abba, Abba. And then this, anyway,
3: Mamma uh, Mia. Um, <laughs> now, actually, where you were mistaken was really? it's also being trialled at the Women's European Under-17 Championships, which began in the Czech Republic on Tuesday. That's what I was talking about. Yeah, I know you were.
1: You're talking about something entirely. That's
3: what I'm talking about. Anyway, (laughs) what else we got? Because that didn't quite take... Oh, there it is. (laughs) What
1: a nudge. What a nudge of the (laughs) other.
3: Now, this one's a bit close to your heart, Dino. Derby County have sacked their chief executive and president... Sam Rush for gross misconduct. Not Come a lot on, of Dino. info here. The Championship Club released a statement a man, on Wednesday saying Rush had been dismissed with immediate effect on the grounds of gross misconduct and a Gosh. breach of fiduciary duty. It added they will be making no
2: further comment at this well, stage. Misconduct's bad enough. but Can we speculate what gross, gross misconduct no, we might can't. be? Come on, let's speculate. It could be anything. Well,
4: yeah, you just don't know in football. I mean, I, funny enough, obviously I'm a Derby fan and I, I'm going back in November for a month. And I was going to spend some time with Derby, with Sam, and also Mel Morris, the chairman. So, interesting. No, I, I won't be... Spending me, time No, I don't think Sam will be in the meeting when I get there. So, but look... Um,
1: we well, can ask him what the grocery store Well, I'm Troubling sure... Troubling times for old Terence Trent.
4: We all know it's going to come out somewhere, unless there's...
2: What do the Nottingham fans call the Derby fans? <laughs> like, <don't laughs> no know. one else did. They
4: call them sheep, <laughs> and then uh, and then uh, quite a rude word, after.
2: And what do the Derby fans call the Nottingham fans?
4: Well, we've called them plenty over the years. No, they don't really call them much. I mean, it yeah, begins with L, F, and ends in.
1: Yeah, okay. I mean, yeah, yeah, yeah. We're going to be signing our name across that line. Not a lot, lot of hard. love.
3: Not a lot of love. Just quietly. Not Here a lot of Fred love. Just Fred Dabby yeah. style. That's right. Poor old Terence Trent, eh? Yeah, what
1: have eh? you got? What, do, what can you give us in Hey, just very quickly, seconds. the English
3: Football League is launching a streaming broadcast service for overseas fans of lower league clubs from 27-28. Tailor-made for you, mm. Dino, so you can follow your nephew or whatever, was, cousin or mm. nephew, no. down in the lower tiers. Godson. 61 of the 72 EFL clubs have signed up to the new platform. It's going to cost 190 bucks. I just hope this means we don't lose the championship off being sports. Mm. But anyway,
1: but it's, the way it's the exciting world, it, and it's mate, great, you know? to,
3: considering we don't have players in the Premier League anymore, as Tim Cahill was bemoaning earlier, mm. at least we can now follow our guys playing in the second and third tiers of England.
1: Yeah, yeah, well as we've is
3: done it, this year. And uh,
4: Has Marco got time to touch on the Man United, Jose Millet? Uh, sadly, sadly so. So. he doesn't. He we'll
1: doesn't, well, say well, that we'll next week's show. show. Yeah, that's it. Well done boys, that is full time on the grand final edition of Box to Box. Join us next week when we go Let's from one end of the pitch to the other to in the rumble. world game. We'll review the grand final, go through it all next week on Box to Box. Rumbles.